I give a little pushback to that. It depends on what you're doing. What's right. your site about? What's your service? What's the process? And then what's the journey you've created? So don't think that, yes, maybe Amazon is one click, but Amazon's created a journey. They've done the analytics. They've researched their people. So you can use them as an example, but never take someone else's journey and try to mimic that and, and pigeonhole your business into that. Hello, human. You're listening to the Revenue Real Hotline. If you appreciate real people with real stories, who provide real insights you can apply immediately into how you generate revenue, you're absolutely in the right spot. And I'm glad you're here. I know you've got a ton of options, friends, and, and I appreciate you. Today, we've got the brand misfit herself, the fabulous Charlene Brown. Charlene is a master of all things website. She's a full stack web developer, founder of Brooklyn Custom Designs, company one style. She's got her Real Talk series on LinkedIn, covering conversations like the follow-up, myth, or game changer. I know there's an SOS series. Charlene is bringing the podcast back, and she's working on her doctorate. Oh, and she also is a member of the content team at Thomson Reuters as well, my alma mater. Together, we ask questions like, what do you know about websites? What are you trying to accomplish with it? And how do you execute or collaborate internally and share the data that the website is generating? We talk about making smart decisions with our time and energy as humans, um, specifically women or in Charlene's case as a black woman. We go deep into what makes Thomson Reuters special and other great orgs just like it. And she absolutely kills it with her one piece of advice about uncomfortable conversations. But before we get to Charlene, I wanted to remind you that I appreciate you for listening, friends. It means the world. If you like what you're hearing, do tell a friend. Do a post on social media, follow the show, write a review over at Apple Podcasts, or if you, like me, are a Spotify listener, uh, you can do it right over at RevenueReal.com. It, it goes so far, and I appreciate it tremendously, just like I appreciate you, friend. And with that, this is the Revenue Real Hotline. I'm Amy Rahovchik. Enjoy. Charlene Brown, welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline. I'm sorry, I just put you through a story with my dog and the strawberry pop tarts, but like, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. to be here. Amazing. Okay, so Charlene, as you know, the topic for today's episode: What happens when the buyers don't? appreciate the business problem enough yet to value the investment of dollars. And I am excited, Charlie, for this conversation on this topic, because it's loosely related to one of my favorite things to teach sellers about. Before we go into all those things, Charlene, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do on a daily basis? And then we'll get into yeah, it. So Definitely. So I'm Charlene Brown. I am the brand misfit and I 
uh, help a lot of my clients understand that you don't have to totally follow rules step by step, but what you really need to do is understand what the rules are. So then you can be more comfortable breaking some of them. And what that looks like is as a website architect, I help my clients understand the technology that they need so they can actually use their website in a more user-friendly way, understand how the website plays such a pivotal role in their marketing and stop using it almost like a, a secondary last minute ditch effort <laughs> moment yeah. use yeah. it with more intention yes okay i love it i have so much respect for what you do because i personally am abysmal at creating websites and i have learned this um by trying to create websites <laughs> and then realizing <laughs> that i'm abysmal and when i think about the website strategy and agency work Okay. It's services. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of white noise out there. There's a lot of people that put it out there that this is what they do. And so I can totally empathize with those, um, buyers that maybe have gone through like a poor partner selection process. I just really related to all the messaging that you put out about how, how hard this particular work is. Okay. This idea of communicating value with buyers and communicating like the price or the investment aspect in the relationship. That was one of the toughest conversations that you had yourself expressed. And so if you don't mind me asking why, what made you choose this topic? I chose it because it's so important to understand that, yes, so many people can do a website DIY or hire on the cheap, on the low, however they want to express that. But what are you really hiring somebody to do when it comes to your website? You're hiring somebody to help you understand the marketing aspect of it because websites are so valuable. The potential is immense. Yeah. And when we look at how Disney or even Amazon have, have evolved when it comes to websites, right. they've, they've gone the gambit, but they sat down and they really started to understand when people come to them, not only are they coming as a one-stop shop of everything they need to know in pertaining to entertainment about the company itself, all of that. But then also what's the next step? The next step is to keep them here. Right. And how do they do that? They right. start to evolve on the offerings. They're evolving on what can you do on the platform? But all of that doesn't come with the owners of the business saying, I can do this myself. I got this. They're saying, no, I need to step up my game. And yeah. if I can't afford the, the top notch developer, let me get the next best thing. But also let me step up how I do my sales. So maybe I'm not selling $2 toys. I'm selling different variety. So then I can have the, a mixture of people and then get to my goal because everything would match, right? Yeah. You have your financial goal, then the website is helping you with the financial goal, but the content on the website, that's the driver. So all of the pieces can come together. Gosh, you just dropped so much wisdom in there. It's hard to even suss it out, but I'm, I'm going to try. All right. The first thing that jumps out to me personally, I'm curious, like what is going on with the Disney website that they have all these things figured out? Like if you could elaborate on that and then connect, like, cause I think of Disney and I think of 
obviously dropping a streaming platform that's able to compete with the number one streaming platform very quickly. So the speed with which they got Disney Plus is cool to me. And then their Disney bands, right? From, uh, I used to be, I worked at um, Thompson Reuters. This was our, I'm giving it away. We're going to come to this one, but a big data, right? That was, I worked in core data and whatever. We spun out like 13 products while I was there. And so I was really interested in the Disney band from a, like a case study perspective, right? At bringing the data gathering to the live world. It was just like mind blowing. And so that piece of what you said is pretty brilliant. I, I'm going to pause there, but like, what is going on with the Disney website that is making them such an example that you would drop them in, in a statement that you just had like this? I remember years ago when I was more into learning about the different websites and knowing like, oh, this is where I can get my information. Right. I loved collecting Disney movies when they, and you know, they used to tell you, oh, it's going back in the vault. So I had to That's know right, the timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, the timing. And Disney had a, a calendar list of all of their upcoming releases and all of those that went back into the vault and the current ones that were about to expire. So that was my tracking. Right. Okay. So that's yeah, where yeah, I would, yeah. I would be at Disney every week. So now what they've been doing is not only can you find out about that's the parks, great. you can find out about everything else, but now the streaming they've taken full on the streaming. Right. So when you go there and you're entering the stream world, mm -hmm. now that's a whole different aspect. That's a whole different landscape for you to spend hours and hours on an app. <laughs> Who would have yeah. thought yeah. your hours and hours on an app watching movies from old to current? The they found such an amazing way to bring everything together. I'll even add one more like stakeholder for the immediate landing page, and that is the investor relations, right? All yeah. the the company stuff. And so like that is just a completely and then from a, I mean, from a UX perspective, like how many, but it's like three clicks a person has to be, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because my, my stats may be dated and more is a chance I'm just like pulling these directly from my ass. Like that's always a risk, but like, what is it like three clicks that somebody is willing to make until they find what they're looking for or else they leave? Is that what it is? Yes. They, now they say it's four to five, four to, four five, to five, five before someone says they give up. And it's, and it, and I also say, and I also say to that, I give a little pushback to that. It depends on what you're doing. What's right. your site about? What's your service? What's the process? And then what's the journey you've created? So don't think that, yes, maybe Amazon is one click, but Amazon's created a journey. They've done the analytics, they've researched their people. Mm -hmm. So you can use them as an example but never take someone else's journey and try to mimic that and, and pigeonhole your business into that. Hmm, wait, so step one is to gather the voice of the customer. Like, is that like, no way we're not going to make these assumptions about what people need or want at any given step. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That was just on my side of thing. Like, okay. Okay. I see that. Because even if you're assuming you're, yeah. the data is going to keep telling you if yeah. you're right or you're wrong. I love so. it. That's mm, that data, man. <laughs> I feel like selling information just changes you as a person. Right. And so this is how I, I relate my, um, my experience there. Okay. So I'm sad that we're not going to be able to come to this, but you said like, uh, you have to understand the rules so that you can break them, right? I love this because I think it's something that people get really wrong about this concept of art versus science, 
right? This left versus right brain. And I would equate in what you said here, like the roles as being the science, right? You have to learn the science first. You have to learn the principles, the fundamentals so that you know how to take the building blocks, right? And this is literally allows you to create the art or to break the rules or to build um, whatever. But again, we're going in a different direction here because I'm going to flip the script on this idea of having discovery conversations with people that don't necessarily understand the value or don't understand the why of what you're solving for. You ready to go in this direction? Yeah. Okay. So I think that this is a PhD in like conversions, right? Listeners. So think of about um, Charlie and like the, like SDRs or people that are looking to understand Pareto's principle as it relates to making decisions on prospecting, right? As one example. And so the Pareto's principle listeners, this is, you are going to get 80% of your results from 20% of your activities. Your, your top job, especially at the beginning of this job is to figure out what your 20% or activities are so that you can both stop doing what's not working and do more of what is working. So Charlene, when I like, so when you get good at using Pareto's principle, you, this is a, it's a tool to make decisions, right? About where to spend your time, how to spend your time, just like data is a tool to help make decisions about, you know, how to build out your website based on the, the journey that your customer segments are taking. Um, okay. One of the things when I would, when I figured out the basics for me, what that I looked at and I realized that I didn't enjoy having conversations with people, discovery conversations with potential buyers that did not understand the nature of the business problem. And I didn't enjoy those sales motions comparatively, right? To people that understood the business problem um, to the point where they had tried to solve it already once and it didn't work, right? This is generally why people have an intimate understanding of the business problem because they tried to do it once themselves and they're like, oh, that was pretty damn hard. And look, it didn't work. It's amazing how much yeah. easier the value is. I prefer this is because instead of having to split your time during the sales motion between like, like teaching someone what um, the business problem is like spent or splitting your time between that. And then how to solve it. Like I could just focus all 100% of my energy during the sales motion on how to solve it. Right. And we could create as the buyers together. You with me so far? Yeah. Like, okay. How can I create a funnel for myself that allows for my prospects to deselect themselves before I have to talk to them. <laughs> wow. That's, that's an interesting and semi-hard question to really dissect. The main thing that I've, I've always learned is it's really talking to them, saying clearly and outright and out and upfront, if what it is that you do, what are the results and who is this for? And the next step further is to call out those it's not for, 
a lot of times we don't want to say that. No, I don't want to turn people away. But if you're not doing that in one form or another, you're always going to have the wrong people coming to you or being frustrated and feeling like you're not the one or you're frustrated because they're not um, the ideal people that you would love to your dream clients, as, as a lot of people say. So okay. it's usually a lot of times the copy, like, what are you saying to them? Are, are you presenting yourself and your offer in the way that um, would resonate with those who it should be um, ringing true for? I couldn't write fast enough. So you said the three things that you need to communicate is what it is that you do, what it is that you do clearly, okay. what are the benefits that our people are going to get? What are the results? that they're getting from it and take it to the next step and call out who it's not for. Right. I love that. So for me, if I'm, if I'm showing you my DIY forms and I'm saying, look, this is for those who they, this is their thing. DIY is their thing. They're not afraid of that hard work. They want to um, learn how to update their own sites. Then this is your path. If you know you do not want to update, you don't care about the database, when something goes broken, you don't want to be on the phone, then solution number two is for you. So me doing that, to, and, and it took me a while. At one point, I was one of those people. It's like, I don't want to tell nobody no, but right. I had no choice. Okay. So you push back a little bit though, that this couldn't, that this doesn't happen like almost before the conversation. Right. And I support always talking to people and I will always take that first meeting. I just have ADHD right for me. And I had to learn how to measure my energy very well, especially where the leaks were, you know, and like this, this sucking of energy. And so I was constantly on the prowl looking at ways to maintain and invest it wisely. Does that make sense? And so maybe yes, I, maybe I went like a little bit too overboard on how I tried to avoid them. I don't know. I guess there, there's a lot of truth to that. Like that's, I really did do that. I tried to use my messaging, um, especially on like what, how not to apply and Charlene, I'll take, or Charlene, excuse me. I'll take a step further. Like I would have a slide when I was selling on, here's why I wouldn't buy from me. Right. And that would be the first slide. Like, and I was mentoring someone um, and she was going for her first sales leader position. She got it by the way, but I was like, wait, Maria, like this Maria process is shut up to like, she's a, I Maria. I was like, how baller would it be if you like started your presentation? It was like that 30, 60, 90 day obligatory, like plan, like present it back to, you know, the hiring committee. Like how, how baller would it be if you put a slide up there that said, here's why I wouldn't hire me and like started with that, like I've, this is, I've never done this job before. This will be my first time. Like, and just like get that elephant out of the room, but I don't know. I think the website can do a lot of damage on that front. It can, because if you're not, I think that's more of a, a deeper conversation type of intro, right? but, but you can curve it a little bit and make it more of an inviting situation if you present it in a video, perhaps, okay. if you're telling people like, look, this is what it is. This is what I do. And it does not work if this is your step mm -hmm. and then probably give them that next solution. If that's your step, check this out instead. 
right? So give them another opportunity to work with you. I think it doesn't work if you only have that one offer and then you're like, well, this is the only offer I have. And sorry for those 60% that, <laughs> that this doesn't work for. Then you're losing a chunk of people and then you get discouraged and you're like, well, my website's not giving me any sales because you're kind of not driving the right people there. So it's a testing ground because even in sales, you want to test what's what's uh, method is working best and if you're not on top of it to do that and track okay this is what's been going good and then leave it long enough sometimes they do the the split testing the a b testing right, right so you have your heading you have your headlines and you can send people to different pages to see okay what resonates the most a lot of people they don't want to do any of that. They just want to hit the ground running and everything is there and magic happens. That's not what this is. Websites don't do that. Websites are not magical creatures like unicorns that right. you just see it spotted and everything works. So sale, everybody knows you have to see what's going to resonate. And once you find that special thing, hit the ground running and then make sure that's where you're punching at all times. But if you're not even doing that, of course, you're going to be all over the place. You're going to any shiny new object that says, oh, come here and, and, and create your one page site or create this or, or let us do this. And you're going to be always pulled in multiple directions because you have a site that you never sat down long enough to understand the process. The same thing that ClickFunnels and all these other sites Kartra have been doing, they are pretty much giving you a, a all-in-one blueprint that worked for maybe a couple of thousand, but is it really for you? Because they, they just know like these steps were the testing grounds. This was the platform. This was the layout here. Go for it. But you still have to put your stuff in. You still have to test your stuff out. So that's all I can ever really say to people is mm -hmm. if you're not ready to do it yourself, then you should have somebody right there who knows the gambit. Who understands, okay, let's test this. Let's try this. This doesn't work. Let's look at your numbers. Come back to me in a month. Come back to me in two months. What are what is your plan to market? How many people are you driving? Just like with your email list. You're not, it's not gonna grow if you're not sending people there. It's it's all about making sure that your traffic, where are you getting traffic? Are you paying? Is this organic? What are you doing? You're reminding me how we can do a far better job of thinking about the, the data that's on the website and applying the data um, that's on the website. And I'm remembering, Charlene, there was a, a company I was at and there was some legacy conflict between sales and customer success, but which is not unusual. However, um, it took me a hot second, right? To be able to tap into the data for because I reported through sales and this was on the CS side, but the, the FAQs, right? The, the questions that people were having, like to kind of troubleshooting articles, because it was in many ways, the tech was like an early adopted uh, first mover. It was a new thing or category definer, as they say. But anyway, we were able to reverse engineer um, the issues that people were having in customer success based on the customer journey for the first three months after becoming a customer. And so then both to alleviate some of that pressure, as well as to address them proactively in the sales motion, we were then able to build that into the selling motion, which is about educating buyers in many ways. 
Like what, what have you seen from that perspective? What are some other best practices that we should be, the way that we should be thinking about the data that the website generates when it's done properly? When it's done properly, then you can say, okay, if I'm getting most of my, my leads this month from organic, why is it the SEO that I've been testing out? Maybe let me do more of that. Let me do some more. Are, are people going more to my blogs? Cause you're website can tell you so much, especially if you set it up through Google analytics, there's so many tools that people ignore. And a lot of them right now, you can literally use wizards and set it up quickly. So you have the analytics, you have that information. So is it the blogs that you're creating? Maybe you are on different platforms. If you're on Instagram a lot and a lot of your traffic is, is coming from Instagram, then those two are aligning. But is that truly where you're going to make the most impact. So if you have a campaign now that's going to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then you're seeing the numbers come back, you might be surprised. Maybe a lot of your clicks are coming from Twitter. Most people don't think about that. And, you're like, and you'll be like, oh, shoot. So now let me put some energy next month into Twitter. Let's see what else we can get out of Twitter. And it's not that you're ignoring the other platforms, but now you see if more are coming from one direction that you didn't expect, go in that direction. Don't ignore it because now you're listening to other gurus telling you to be on um, Instagram. If Instagram is doing well for you, but it's not as good as Twitter, why ignore Twitter? Just because you're not comfortable, then get someone who is to help you on Twitter and then get those numbers going. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So when I think of, it's hard to have the data conversation or the information conversation as it relates to companies, right? Because in many ways, this is one of the things that is weaponized against women, um, particularly Black women. And it, it just by way of having that information withheld, you know? And so even just as you were describing this stuff, like, and I'm, when I say information, I would include feedback in that category. And I read some of the things about you, Charlie, and about the work that you're doing to inject more black women into the, this profession and to be a bright light in that. And so on the off chance, you have not heard that yet today. Thank you for that work. Thank you. Truly. Um, yeah. Okay. So Mm, sad about the how hard it can be to find this data that is still very siloed in the company, even though, in my opinion and experience, the data is a resource or an asset of the company, right? Not one particular department that shouldn't live in one system. Um, but all that being said, you and I have something in common by way of a great company. And... I, and that's Thomson Reuters. And I like, I, I've got to ask you like, so what's your experience there? Like, I see that you're in Hoboken. Like, what is that? Are you, do you like, if you don't want to talk about this on like the show, like you can absolutely shake your head, but I think very fondly of my years there and it, with a lot of gratitude as well. I, and it's not very often I get to speak to a, a TR person. And so what, what's your take on uh, Thomson Reuters. Well, I'll say it's been, uh, it's been a ride from the moment that I stepped in there. I've had an opportunity to just expand on what I do love mm -hmm. and that's learning technology. And 
being recognized by people, my peers, and more now so than than ever, I've had uh, amazing experiences where people are actually helping me elevate. And the learning experiences to say, I can do that. Let me test this out. I'm nervous, but I'm in a safe zone in my within my circle of my peers and, and those that I'm working directly with. So mm-hmm. a lot of times I'm able to say, you know what, in my real world life outside of here, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I think it can work here. And then people are like, okay, let's test it out. And that I think more than ever has allowed me to step up my game in both realms, in my own company and at TR. And that's how I got back into going to school. I went for my master's in uh, business administration with technology management. And because I had the time, the space, I was doing a lot of things quickly Mm -hmm. and I was able to say, oh, okay, now I can do school too. So it's just testing the waters, throwing something new in, seeing Mm -hmm. how that works and, and being given the space to fail but learn and then move on and then do something new and then succeed. Even to the point it it allowed me to go for my doctorate. So I'm still working on the paper part, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Wow. TR. I just realized I grew up in a town called TR or Tom's or uh, Tom's river TR. Uh, That never occurred to me. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, (laughs) it is. So that, that was, that was very similar to my experience there. Not, the doctorate part. That's awesome. I'm like that's, that is baller. I can't wait to learn more about that. That's really cool. That's really cool. But yeah, I equate this, my experience with Thompson or at Thompson Reuters with the blue, the red pill in the matrix. Right. And the hardest thing since, right. Cause I kind of went backwards, right. Because then I got bit by the startup bug, even moving out to San Francisco. But what I missed the most was just the peers at Thompson Reuters, like the competency and that, like that both the psychological safety and with the team and like being able to test things out and the space to fail, like all everywhere that you just shared. And it, it I envy is this. This is awesome. This is awesome. Um, it's, list- a, it's a good thing to have. Definitely. Listeners, these, these places exist. I think we're hearing a lot of talk right now about like the negative workplaces and rightly so, right? And the great resignation and, and we should be talking about these things. But I also think we should remember that there are companies out there that are doing it really well. And I think Thompson Reuters is a shining example of that. Even if there's like anything that you notice that maybe the whole organization might not be as great, but then there's spaces there. There's, there's different departments also that, and I've, I've been um, lucky to be in a department that you can still learn and push forward and see a lot of the changes and see the results of a lot of what you, you put forward. Did I tell you I won the Spacha award? when we talked no yeah I won the TR Spacha award yeah that was pretty cool thing but anyway (laughs) not that I'm still like like reveling in the glory but yeah no that was that was top five cool things to have happened professionally for sure okay so Charlene what is one of what is the hardest revenue conversation that you've ever had to have oh my gosh 
I would say definitely with nonprofits, right, a lot of times you see the help. Well, there's uh, one that they, I knew they needed a lot of help. The taking it on would be too much. So I couldn't do a lot of it, but just being able to at least give them some direction, mm -hmm. I felt good for, because that would give them an opportunity to say, okay, look, at least we can tackle these on our own, or we can bring someone else in to help us manage this. But a lot of times with nonprofits who aren't fluid with the with them finance, or they're always dependent on waiting um, a year, and if it's not already in the budget, then they really can't maneuver as much. Right. So it, it's it's hard to tell them like there's a gambit list <laughs> for you to tackle, yeah. Yeah. and then you see their eyes glaze over, and you mm -hmm. know, okay, they're not they're not tech savvy, mm -hmm. but still finding the balance to help them, but not overwhelm myself with all the work that that would need to get done. So that's been some of the, the harder conversations to say, here's the estimate. <laughs> and, and you can see not only are they glazed over with the techno, the technology of it all, uh, and the technical things that they would have to overcome mm -hmm. and here's the whopping price tag to go with it yeah and a lot of it is not even the work itself it's the actual technology because you see that they're outdated they're using outdated things so now to get them on a plan where they can afford it because so many companies especially in tech are moving into the subscription model. A lot of these smaller um, organizations can't afford, and it's not that they don't want to, they just can't afford it. So it's trying to find, okay, where can I find the middle ground? Where can I find something that will help them succeed, but not crash and burn because they too, this technology is a starter. This technology is brand new to the scene and they may not be able to have enough of the bandwidth to keep going. It's always tricky to find that level of um, balance and there's no real balance between the finance and the tech and making it all work together and to get budget. you to that modern, yeah, that modern level. Like that's like, ugh. and the longer you wait, the bigger of a, of a difficulty it becomes. Well, isn't that everything? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, like, a lot, and larger companies go through the same thing. Charlie, why, why is this conversation difficult for you? Like what, what about this one is hard? This, uh, our conversation? No, 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 no. The one, like when you have to have this conversation, let's say an executive director at a nonprofit that really has been tugging on your heartstrings since you, like you mm -hmm. buy, like you buy the mission. Like, so for you personally, what makes this conversation hard? It's hard because I was in that position and mm -hmm. I, I was where I, I could see like, oh, I need help but I'm not financially ready to take that step. And you feel like, oh my God, something else is passing me by. Something else is leaving. But you still have to be fair on how much energy is this taking from someone else. And, I, and I'm aware of that. Mm -hmm. Even for myself, I had to make myself aware of my own energy, like how, how we talked about where you can end up giving so much right. where you're empty. Right. And now you're worn out, you're exhausted. Yep. You have other opportunities that are trying to come to you, but you're too tired to take them on. Right. And why are you tired? So now you have to start examining where am I spending my time where I don't need to? 
And a lot of times it ends up being a lot of the pro bono moments where you want to be there, but like, especially if you're by your, I don't want to say by myself, but if you're solo, you still have to, you more than ever, it's critical that you make those decisions of where do you spend your energy and then taking pro bonos at with caution to really say, okay, can I jump on this? Can I be fair? And I think that's also pivotal for them because you don't want to give them not enough of your time or your energy or your creativity. You don't mm-hmm. want to give them your leftovers. You right. want to give them the best of you as well. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And I can relate to all of those things for anybody that's listening. That's maybe been in a similar situation. What helped for, for me to alleviate that a little bit was to do the due diligence on let's maybe it's a Kajabi course somewhere. It's the most, it's the best one that I found. Right. And so I, I remember I was, I found like the best like tutorials on like Google classroom. And cause one of my best friends is a teacher. Right. And so she had a lot of parents asking how to use it. And I'm, but knowing that I could watch a hundred YouTube videos really quickly to see which one was the best and then give her the best one, like that saved her all the hours of shopping. And so there, there are things that you can do for your buyers that maybe are not quite at that starting point. And I would put that together for them. And I would hand these to my buyers and say, okay, when you get to this point, like do these things, this is where you go for this. If you have any questions in the interim, I'm here. Um, But when you get to this point, then contact me. And it was amazing, Charlene, how many people remembered that and would come back. Um, It was a great, like a inbound opportunities that we're ready to start. And then last one, like when one piece of it, and then we're going to go to like what you're working on right now and how people can find you, but what is one piece of advice that you've got for our listeners about uncomfortable conversations? I say really figure out where you're coming from with that conversation. What's the, what's your ultimate goal? for this person to walk away from. You don't want them to feel worse than when they came to you. You never want that, mm-hmm. but you want to understand, okay, if, if we can't um, be together, work together, or if we can, you need to be as aware of what you're do- dealing with now and where you can be. So being truthful also, I've learned that's helped a lot. Yeah. People don't like to be babied. They want to understand what you're saying, but they don't want to be babied. Right. So finding that nice way of being truthful, but being clear with what, what the information is that you're sharing and, and how they can be better. Like that, that's always the goal for me is to have them walk away being better. Even if they just walk away being more well-informed, I prefer that because uh, having one more frustrated web owner, website owner is, is one too many. Right. So I want them to be less frustrated. I want them to be more in charge. Like when more and more people were getting uh, informed of how to properly buy a car, how to properly buy a house, you have more informed people in the market now. Mm -hmm. So when they started to go look for their realtors, their agents, all of these people, they knew better. They, they were picking better. So it didn't matter who was out there. You didn't have to worry about that. Cause if you knew you were one of those top notch people, you didn't have to worry about it. You knew that you had people coming to you, not with basic questions, but with questions that you were like, ah, that's a good question. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I never really get those questions. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, because why? They're more informed. They're so those are the type of um, things that I would always say, be ready to be truthful, but clear. And, and a lot of the tough conversations will go smoothly. Cause I think that's another thing we get worried. Like they're not going to, they're not going to receive this well, mm-hmm. but if you're just honest, truthful, and also respectful, then they'll, they'll take it. They'll take it. Mm, I would add one that I, this is drilled into my head from a VP at Thompson Reuters was who hired me into the company. Um, the bad news doesn't get better with time. And so if you find yourself spending energy worrying, one of the best ways to hack that one is to just eat the frog and have that hard conversation sooner rather than later so that, you know, you can just get it off your plate mentally. But I second every word you just said, all right, Charlene, what are you working on right now? And how can people find you? Like, what's the story with ah. this live show, this real talk? And I know you're in the sales cast community and also with the Andy Paul. Oh my gosh. You were like right there from the beginning with the pop-up party. <laughs> like, so what are you working on now and how can people find you? So now I am working on a February special and that's like for my SOS people, people who need like that quick and dirty um, breakdown of, okay, what, what's broken? What do I need to work on? So those are my SOS sessions and folks can jump in on that. Uh, And a lot of that is on my website as well. But my SOS session is at brooklyncustomdesigns.com. And you'll see everything popping up That's amazing. <laughs> uh, at the right spot. Cause I try to make sure I fine tune all of that amazing. and get that there. But yeah, my SOS sessions, I do lives and I'm about to relaunch my podcast with a live component. I'm so nervous. I've been putting this off, <laughs> yeah. but I'm like, you know what? You got to get in there. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Like this is crazy. What, do you have a date yet for when you're doing it? I, I, uh, I wanted to do it today, okay. but I still have time. I still have time. Okay. I'm going to tell myself not to walk myself out of it, but I do definitely, <laughs> I definitely, definitely want to launch the, the live version February 10th and then take it from there because I, I don't want it to stick to a, a particular time frame. I want to have a mix of an hour show. I want to do interviews and then maybe like 30, 15 minute tips and stuff. I want to mix it up so people can, so can how have are you different do that things live from the with, podcast. How are you doing that live well, with like, without sticking to a particular time, like asking for a friend, just kidding. It's me, but yeah, what's the plan? So in my mind, what I'm, what I see the strategy being is I can say, okay, maybe out of the entire month, I'll pick two days out of that month to be 30 minute days. And then another day I might have like a pop-up day and that'll be 15 minutes. But then my, if I have, um, uh, especially interviews, those would be my straight one hour shows. Mm-hmm. And I would just plot them in somewhere in the calendar, but I would just do that every, at I the end of every that. month, plan the month before, and then start reaching out because I already have like my calendar for guests. So when they plop in, I'm like, oh, okay. So then any days they didn't pick, those are going to be blocked out for my 30 and 15 minute dates. So that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> See, this is why I keep talking myself out of it. I'm like, am I doing this wrong? But my mind just does its own thing. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's like, this is complicated right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're going to talk about this in a moment, but with that, Charlene, this is amazing. This is amazing. Thank you so much for making time for us today. 
it means the world. I appreciate you in so many different ways. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate you for having me on. Thank you so much. And I hope whatever I shared can help. I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt. And that wraps another installment of the Revenue Real Hotline. I want to thank Charlene Brown for sharing her her brilliance with us today. And I'd like to thank you again, listeners, as well. The show wouldn't be what it is without you. And I'm honored that you've chosen to come along on this journey with me. Quick heads up, I'm going to start dropping some bonus episodes of uh, guest appearances on other shows that I absolutely love. And so we're going to bring those in and drop them on Saturdays moving forward from here. If you like what you're hearing, do tell a friend, do a post on social media, follow the show, write a review over at Apple Podcasts, or if you, like me, are a Spotify listener, uh, you can do it right over at RevenueReal.com. It, it goes so far, and I appreciate it tremendously, just like I appreciate you, friend. I'm Amy Rahovchek. This is the Revenue Real Hotline, and happy selling. <laughs>